0: Hey, writers, join our first draft weekly Writers Club. We meet every Tuesday from 12 to 1 Eastern Time. For more information, go to writingclassradio.com and click on the Classes tab.
1: This is Andrea Askowitz, and you're listening to Writing Class Radio. Normally, we get writing class radio out every two weeks, but this time we're at a week early because both storytellers in today's episode will be telling stories on stage at lip service this Saturday night, and we want to give you a chance to see them. There's
0: nothing I can do
1: to write it all new. In this episode, we're talking about telling stories that give us emotional hangovers, like when you tell a story and you feel like you've told too much. So maybe you go home and you're like, "Mm, shit, why'd I say that? And then you wake up in the morning and you want to vomit. Our first storyteller is Nikki Post. I recruited Nikki after I heard her tell a story at The Moth, which is an open mic story slam. Allison and I just spent half an hour trying to come up with a word to describe Nikki, but we couldn't.
0: (laughs) Hidden, heavy, incomprehensible. She She is. Involved, muddy, obscure. You know what? It's
1: weird. She's totally hidden, but she's also completely exposed.
0: Unfathomable. No. no. Profound. Yes. Perplexing. Yes. Obscure. No. No. Um, Esoteric. She was out there. She's awesome.
1: This is the first story Nikki read in our class. It takes place in Paraguay.
2: Hard words are easier to say in a second language. Me violaste. I said to him the words I had been practicing in my head all morning, the words I still couldn't say out loud in English the words that sounded so unfamiliar earlier that morning when Sarah said them. By the side of the river, we washed ourselves of the dirt and beer and campfire smells from the night before when I told her. Avoiding the word I still couldn't say, Sarah said it for me. He raped you. Sarah wanted to go back to Cerrito and onto Asuncion. She wanted to tell somebody. She wanted to tell the Peace Corps. Stop washing yourself. You're not supposed to wash away the evidence, Sarah said, frantic. Her high school health class instinct surfacing, I kept washing. I wanted not to think about it again. I wanted to pretend I had made it up. I wanted it to not be true. And I definitely didn't want to tell the Peace Corps. Maybe violaste, I said to Mario in the middle of the Paraguayan Plains, knowing four hours of dirt road lay between us and Cerrito. No puedo parar, he had told me just ten hours before. No puedo parar. I can't stop. Mario was the pride of Cerrito, a village of a few hundred people where Sarah was six months into her two-year Peace Corps volunteer service. Mario was Sarah's host brother, one of five children who was chosen to go to school. The smart one, the strong one, the good one. The one who got up extra early to help his father cut down the sugarcane during harvest. The star on the cancha, not only for his skills in football, but also for his kindness in playing with the smaller children. Para, I had whispered as my sleep wore off and I became suddenly aware of my body and the one above it, silhouetted by the weak Coleman flashlight. The corner of the tent lit up red, bright red. Para, I said again, this time bolder, as my thoughts went from wondering what this moment might feel like to knowing. No puedo parar, he said again with that hard Paraguayan R. My eyes unfocused on the red corner beyond his silhouette my hands and fist next to my head, pressed between his claws and the earth. I was numb, shut off, feeling nothing but in my clitoris, which can't tell the difference between choice and force. I wasn't there. I was no longer a body, but a stream of thoughts. I'm not wearing a shirt, and I don't remember taking it off. He said he can't stop. Don't make a sound. Sarah and Arturo can't know. A parade of nose marched through me, bringing with them a strength into my wrist, and suddenly he was behind me. I searched for my shirt. Against the red light, the silhouette removed a condom. He brought a fucking condom. Mario and I had flirted with the secrecy that one finds in a small town with big mouths. A town where three dances in a row means more than just dancing. Extra long looks, smiles, delayed touching when passing food, excuses to be near each other. This was my second time in Cerrito, and I had thought about Mario more than once since the previous July. We had invited Mario to come camping with us at the Cataratas because he was a good guy, an honest guy, the guy everyone trusted and loved, Sarah's brother, and I wanted to be near him, to know him outside of watching eyes. I had wanted to kiss him, and we did kiss on the rock at the bottom of the waterfall after Sarah and Arturo had climbed back up to the tents. Mario had wanted to have sex on the rock and I said no. I said no again later that night in the water when all four of us had stumbled back down to the waterfall, inspired by campfire beers and skinny dipping. Failed by the darkness of nature under the water, he had tried to put himself inside of me again and again I said no. That was the last no I chose. The rest of the no's came too late. And now, here I was, my footsteps in sync on the dirt road with the pride of Cerrito telling him he raped me, only this time it was he who had lost the strength of his voice and me who couldn't stop. Maybe you lost the Mario. The rest of my life is up to you now, he said, and I have to accept. It was my choice to tell the police, he told me, tell the Peace Corps, tell his mother. Now it was my choice. After two hours on foot and one hitched ride, we returned to Cerrito where everything had changed. Days before, I drank cocido and watched the sun rise over the sugarcane fields. I had played games with the children and ate platanos directly from the tree. Today, I noticed the kitchen floor was dirt and ants covered the pots and pans. The platano trees were dying. The air was suffocating and insufferable. Everything was brown, dead. With weak excuses, we explained to Mario's mother that we had decided to return to Asuncion and spend the new year with Arturo's family rather than in the village as we had planned. She was suspicious but said nothing. The next morning, Mario followed me down to the main road to catch the bus that was to arrive soon, if it chose to arrive that day. This time, it was apologies he couldn't stop, apologies and pleas for forgiveness. Mario would turn 21 in three days, the Paraguayan age of becoming a man. That night, Sarah and I spent New Year's Eve on the balcony of a small hotel in Asuncion Getting drunk on Manzanilla, conversation altering between our shared childhood nostalgia, and the rules of engagement after rape.
1: After someone tells a story in class, we pretend the person who just told the story isn't in the room. We address that person as the narrator and talk about what worked and what didn't work in his or her story. We do this for a few reasons. One good one is that it creates a separation between the person's life and the person's story. So even if someone says they were raped, we can't say, oh my God, are you okay? That's not our role. The comments can only be about the writing. We can talk about where we got confused or where we wanted more details or where we wanted less details. Those are the types of comments that are fair game in class. Also, what happens during the editing process is the narrator wants to tell us what he or she meant. But when you get your story published in The New Yorker, you're not there in everyone's living room telling people what you meant. Your story has to speak for itself. In class, I like to say, we don't care about your life, we care about your story. But outside of class, we care about your life. The day after class, Allison, Nikki, and I went to a writing conference and we bombarded Nikki with questions. I wanted to know how it felt for Nikki to tell that
2: story in class. Like after it happened, I felt like I had a kind of like um, sharing information hangover. (laughs) Um, And and I feel better now. It was just like I needed time. Like I couldn't go to sleep right away last night. Like I just kind of like laid there and was like distracting myself doing other things because I was feeling like kind of anxious. Right. I so
1: that was our third job. class. Yeah, so I am just was... wondering how that felt and
2: it felt bad. Thank you. <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> um, in a room of strangers it was hard like I went into the class in a really good mood thinking like okay well I'm not going to cry so it's going to be fine. But then the writing prompt like brought a lot of stuff up in me and then I like did start to cry in the writing prompts and then I was like fuck like I hope I'm not the first person to read because I'm not ready yet. I, I wanted to read the story like, um, as if I had distance from it, because if I attached too much emotion to it, then I knew I would cry because I already was feeling the emotions from the prompt. What would happen if you cried? Um, I don't want to, I didn't want to cry in front of everyone. Has anyone cried in there yet? See, because I always cry. I'm, like, the first to cry. Really? I'm a total crier. I'm a crier. Like, and and I actually hate that I'm a crier. Like, whenever I do different things, like, I feel like I always cry. Like, I cried in school, and when I went to film school, I cried. And (laughs) and I don't want to be the person who cries, you know? I want to, like, I want to, like, handle it. Um, I admire a crier. (laughs) (laughs) How has it affected the other relationships that you've had? it's really hard for me to have sex the first time, like I really, really have to trust someone and um and like feel okay with them because the first time is like I hate it when people hold my hands like if I can't move like i I hate it and um and i I want to be comfortable to say don't do that and you know I think that that's only been in the last couple of years too. There was like a long time where I just sort of like ignored it and it. Didn't, or at least I didn't think it affected me, but, you know, like every once in a while I'd have dreams about it or I'd wake up and be like, fuck Mario, like fuck this guy. And I'd be really mad about it. But then other times I'm not mad about it. Like some other times I'm like, well, that's just something that's supposed to happen in my life. Have you
1: been in a situation where you're in a small workshop where you've revealed that kind of... Never. Okay, never. How was the experience of the class talking about your story as if you weren't there. And also there's also this obvious and sort of odd distance Mm -hmm. from you. Right. Yeah. So no one, no one said, Oh my God, are you okay? Yeah. And I didn't
2: want them to. Okay. Um, I didn't want them to. And I actually like appreciated for the first time, like really appreciated the necessity of having an author versus you. Um, because I knew that they weren't going to talk to me. I knew that everything was about the story and I could just take their feedback about the story and think like, okay, yeah, that could have been better in that way. And, um,
1: I I actually thought your story was gorgeous and, and every story can be better. So that's always a part of it. Thanks. And thank you for sharing it. And thanks for talking to us now. Yeah. No problem. Other thoughts? (laughs) Okay. I'm going to stop this then. And, um,
0: look at the rainbow. Yeah.
1: This was the first time Nikki told this story in front of more than one person. And she woke up and wanted to vomit. But here's what happened. She submitted this story to the live storytelling show Lip Service. And now she's going to tell it again in front of hundreds of people. If you live in Miami, you can see Nikki tell her story this Saturday, May 7th. If you're not from around here, you can watch the video of this story anytime at lipservicestories.com. I think Nikki is totally bold and cool because she told me she's expecting to have another hangover, but she's telling it again anyway. I know that whenever I tell a hard story, no matter how hard the story was to tell, once I tell it, I always feel better. And I always feel closer to the people I told. I also know that when that hangover clears, whatever it was that was so hard to tell doesn't feel so hard anymore. I think that's probably true for the next storyteller, Italome. She told this story to a group of strangers at our community class in response to the prompt, A Time I Fucked Up. But before we get to our next story, here's a word from our sponsor. The story you're about to hear was written in one of those community classes. Here's Italomi
3: with a time she fucked yes. up. Mm-hmm. Uh So, I kind of hope this doesn't make it onto writing radio. (laughs) It's in. Uh, Okay. Because uh, A, I don't like to use the word F-U-C-K. Saying it feels dirty and vulgar. And I'm not outwardly dirty and vulgar, just on weekends or happy hour. (laughs) or of all-you-can-drink ladies' nights. Um, <laughs> and uh, B, I, I really effed up, like, royally screwed myself over, uh, like criminal level, like I legit committed a crime and I have to live with a criminal record for the rest of my life. Um, this scares me, terrifies me it's actually one of my deepest darkest secrets, but here goes what better way to introduce myself (laughs) (laughs) than by admitting the one thing I never thought I would deep breath shaking I Am a clothing discount abuser Yes, it's true. I abused my clothing discount. I knew it was wrong and I did it anyway I am a criminal it all started when a couple years ago, desperate for a job, which always seems to be my career situation as it is currently, I decided to take a job in retail working for a store that will go unnamed, gotta protect their reputation and mine. Well, more theirs, I guess, cause I'm the criminal. Anyway, this was one of those fancy schmancy retail stores that I had no business shopping in because again, I was jobless, therefore cashless and the last thing I needed was shopping. But you know the term retail therapy? I take this literally. I find that pretending to be really rich and not having a care in the world or maxed out credit cards or a mild luxury shopping addiction, very therapeutic.
1: What drew me in was the voice. Italome spelled out F-U-C-K. That tells me so much about her. It's funny. It's refreshing, someone who doesn't want to curse. And then she made fun of herself a little bit by saying she's not outwardly dirty, except on weekends. So right away, I love this narrator. And here's the thing that defies logic. She tells us she steals. And because of her honesty, I love her more. I love her so much because she admits something not cute. What I want to know more about is what exactly did she steal and how did she do it? I'd love to see a scene where she's wearing several pairs of jeans, if that's what she did. Thank you, Italomi, for oversharing. No, she didn't overshare. Thank you, Italomi, for sharing. Before we end, here's today's assignment. Set your timer for 10 minutes. Write about a time you overshared. If you like what you wrote, record it and email it to info at writingclassradio.com.
0: This episode is produced by Misha Morrell, Andrea Askwitz, and me, Allison Langer, with editorial help from Toby Ash. Writing Class Radio is recorded at the University of Miami School of Communication. Theme music by Adriel Borshansky. Additional music by Blue Jay and Misha Morrell. Check out all our musicians on our website. Study the stories we study. Listen to our craft talks. If you want more information about lip service and how to get a ticket, go to miamibookfair.com or go to our website. There's no better way to understand ourselves and each other than by writing and sharing our stories. Everyone has a story. What's yours? Let's rebuild our broken bridges and come back to things that really matter. We Take one. Additional music by Blue Jay and Misha Morrell. Check out all our musicians on our website to study the stories we study. Listen to our craft talks. (laughs) If you want want more information about lip service and how to get a ticket to book fair, fuck that. Don't listen to this episode if you have (laughs) hypertension, (laughs) cancer, (laughs) or vaginal warts.